This is uh, Whit Hertford. I just wanted to um, check in and say hi and uh, to remember just a little bit of advice. Don't go out there, okay? Just remember that. Uh, the two anecdotes that I have, one from Jurassic, was that there's a scene that was cut out where I'm stepping on the fossil uh, and Sam Neill, Dr. Grant, yells at me. And so I walk by camera and Spielberg wanted me to say asshole under my breath, which I was really excited to do because uh, it felt kind of like I got to be naughty and my stepdad had taken me to set that day. And so, um, yeah, I felt like I was able to kind of misbehave a little bit, which is really fun. I hope you're having a not too bad summer day. It's very, very hot here in LA, but um, yeah. Anyway, uh, all my best and uh, bon voyage. Welcome to Jurassic Park. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. Just want to thank all our fans and listeners. Really appreciate all the support. You guys are awesome. Before we jump into tonight's film review, I just want to give a quick shout out to our website, don'tgooutthere.com. We've got all our episodes and interviews on there if you want to check those out. We've got our store. we got some new T-shirts out, some new apparel. Definitely check those out. They're awesome. We have Shan's Etsy page attached as well if you want to grab a Tumblr. We've got our blog. We all wrote some thank pieces. Uh, you know, we all like to write our opinions on things. Check those out. And we also have all of our social media links, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Uh, we love meeting our f- new fans. We love interacting. Uh, so, yeah, definitely give us a follow and a like, subscribe. We love meeting new people. And last thing I want to shout out on our, our website is our Patreon called Blood Donors. Uh, we have the traditional monthly reoccurring kind. It takes a big burden off of us to help make us help us make a great podcast. And none of that money goes into our pocket. And I fully acknowledge a hundred percent. If you can't afford to do that right now, times are tough. So I get it a hundred percent. And we also have a one-time donation. It's if you're a big fan of a movie and you want us to review it, we have that option available as well. Uh, tonight is week two of monster movie month. And tonight we're taking on a, Pretty intimidating and pretty big movie, honestly. Uh, it's Brother Mike's pick. Go ahead and announce it and why you chose it, brother. Yeah, so I've gone back and forth a couple different times on this show about things that are or aren't horror, and I, that's just kind of a subject matter that sticks in my crawl because I think anything horror and horror adjacent we can cover on this show. That's why we cover things like Beetlejuice and episodes of Boy Meets World, and A Nightmare Before Christmas down the road, and Coraline down the road, and and all the things that I think we can cover under this umbrella. Like Seven. A lot of people don't think Seven's a horror, and that's totally fine, but it's still horror adjacent. I mean, they're still in the same bubble, the same realm. And so I think we can kind of get away with a lot of stuff on this show. And so when you pick monster movies, monster movies are not really my bag. Um, I've made that pretty clear. But... There's one that I just love for the end of time, at least as far as I remembered, uh, and that's Jurassic Park. 
so I picked it for two reasons or three reasons. One, because a lot of people say it isn't horror, so I decided to throw it in their face. Two, because it's the monster movie that I like the most. And <laughs> three, I love dinosaurs. I've always loved dinosaurs. I love paleontology. I love anthropology. I love the study of ancient beings and things. And so all those things kind of combine for my reason. And I guess on top of it, I'm known to pick big movies that take a lot of time and effort to put in to watching and doing notes for. And that's just kind of part of my uh, gig, I guess. So uh, <laughs> those are the reasons I picked it. I'm excited to talk about it. This movie has so many iconic scenes and lines that crossed over into pop culture and that consciousness. Uh, it, I mean, hold on to your butts and all those things. There's so many different things in this movie you can take and you see it all over. The cast is an A+. Plus. There's not one bad acting performance in this entire film, and I think it's great. Uh, just groundbreaking puppeteer work, groundbreaking animation work, just all kinds of new stuff that no one had ever really seen before, not to this scale anyway. Uh, and a little peek behind the curtain. This is only the third time I've watched this movie. That's a true story. I watched it once when I was a kid and loved it, just never got back around to it because, you know, you kind of think, eh, hey, kid's movie. Um and then I watched it again a couple years ago. I'm like, God, I forgot how much I love this movie. <laughs> and then I was, when I decided to pick it, I was like, right, I'm going to watch it once as a, as a viewing with no notes. And then I watched it again to take notes. So look, excited to talk about it. Cause I think we're going to get a lot of good feedback on it. And sorry for making you guys always do such an undertaking. Next time I'll be sure to pick something like Halloween three. You son of a bitch with this Halloween three. <laughs> well, you know, we have to review it at some point. I'm going to be in a rush. Yeah, we do. We reviewed Rubber, WrestleManiac. I don't want to hear this. All right, I'll go next real quick. My general thoughts. Oh, I'm picking it, brother. (laughs) I'm picking it. Quick general thoughts. Uh, I think I'll speak for almost all of us. This movie was very nostalgic to me from my childhood. I was, heck, two years old when it came out, but uh, watched it when I was a young kid. I had the T-Rex toy whenever I was growing up. Had several other, other... memorabilia i'm sure growing up i remember listening to dead meats podcast the is it horror or not and this movie got brought up i definitely think it falls in the genre but it falls into several different genres uh definitely got some great tension some great scary scenes i guess you could call it i mean if you replace a dinosaur with leatherface trying to get you underneath a flipped over vehicle i mean then we wouldn't even debate it so uh I, i think this is a great movie obviously i don't it's truly kind of an intimidating one to do scene yeah. by scene on just because the dialogue is so good between these great characters. There's a lot going on. And yeah, that's all I really have to say is it's a great movie. I'm glad Mike picked it. It was one of the three that I was debating on. So I'm glad it got chose for this month. Yeah. This movie, 89 Batman and Ghostbusters were the biggest parts of my childhood. Um, I've seen those three movies more than any movies in my entire life. Uh, I saw this in the theater my best friend and neighbor, Jonathan, had the entire paddock play set he got for Christmas. He had an exact replica of this raptor claw that Alan Grant has in this movie. I wish I still had that, by the way, today. Um, I have a replica of that Barbasol can literally right here in my house and keep money in it sometimes. Uh, I remember people in, in my school reading the Lost World book in middle school after this came out. And not like LeBron, where you just read the first page. No, it was like it was it was everywhere. Um, but that's just that's just a small taste of how much, you know, this movie and the entire series has been intertwined in my life. Like, I love this movie. It's borderline perfect to me. So so getting to do it on this show 
it, you know, I told the guys earlier, it's very overwhelming to me. I mean, this movie was so groundbreaking, like Mike touched on. Hell, it was the highest grossing film of all time until the Titanic came out. Yeah, buddy. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> you've got Steven fucking Spielberg, arguably the best, greatest director of all time. You have John Williams score, undoubtedly the best composer of all time. Uh, this cast iconic, like you said, there's almost just... So much to say, it's it's hard to actually find what to say, if that makes any sense at all. Um, I doubt we do this justice whatsoever, uh, you know, but like Mike mentioned, you know, there's an episode of, of uh, the movies that made us that go in depth into this as well. And, and there couldn't be a more perfect description because this movie definitely made me. Yeah. So this movie is definitely nostalgic for me as well. Like you guys said, I, I remember watching it as a kid. I, I love the movie. Um, now, as far as the horror aspect of it, you know, I see it more of an adventure movie than a horror movie, but I did find something to do in my research that was interesting to me. So James Cameron actually wanted to make this movie, but he was late bidding on the rights and he wanted to make it much more violent, quote, like aliens, but with dinosaurs. Okay, sign me up for that. If it was that, then yes, I could 100%. Because like you said, Nico... If it's Leatherface chasing you and know, trying to get you and you're stuck underneath the car, yeah. But I think it's still Spielberg's style doesn't lend itself to like horror to me. Now, the T the Rex scene, yeah, absolutely. But the rest of the movie to me, a, a lot, most of the rest of the movie, I think a, a lot of what I classify as like horror is lighting, atmosphere, mood, all that. Um, and, you know, that's not to take anything away from it. I think it's great. It's a fantastic movie. Um, I think that a lot of the effects look great for the time. Like the CGI looks really good for the time. The animatronics that they use were fantastic. Uh, the acting, the cast is great. So yeah, I mean, I'm glad that this movie got picked. I'll never turn down an excuse to, you know, watch this movie. So yeah, I love it. Good job. All righty. Any more opening thoughts where you just jump into the scene by scene? All right, like I said, pretty intimidating just from there's so much dialogue going on, but I did my best, and I'm excited to review this. Title card. We see trees rustling and men with hard hats on waiting on this container to be delivered. Isla Nublar, 120 miles away from Costa Rica. The men are pushing this container into a building, and Joffrey climbs on top and opens the gate, letting the Velociraptor free. It runs into a wall, knocking the container free, and attacks the man. The others use stun guns on the Raptor as Muldoon, Yells out, shoot her. Manny de Dios, Ambermine, Dominican Republic. Genera arrives to the mine complaining that Hammond isn't here. They're facing a $20 million lawsuit and investors are hesitant now. They tell Genero that they have Malcolm, but want Alan Grant on board as he looks at a fossilized mosquito. We cut to a dig site now in Badlands, Montana, where several paleontologists discover dinosaur bones. They check a scan and Ellie says it's a velociraptor. Grant says, no wonder they learned to fly, and the others laugh. A kid walks up and says, not very scary. Looks like a six-foot turkey. Grant schools the kid, teaching him velociraptor attacking packs and shows him the retractable claw. It might spill your intestines, and you are alive when they eat you. Shows him respect as he walks away from the kid. Elliot tells him he should have pulled a gun on him to scare him. Grant doesn't like kids saying they smell and they're expensive, amongst other things. A helicopter lands, blowing sand all over their dig site. Grant runs over to a trailer, and he meets Hammond, who pops some champagne they were saving. He's delighted to meet Grant. Ellie storms in, but Grant calms her down 
and they all drink a they all enjoy a drink with Hammond. Hammond tells them he likes both of them and he owns an island off Costa Rica. It'll be a kid's destination. He says it'll open next year, but it needs approval. Hammond needs their approval to get backing again. He invites them to his island for the weekend, and Hammond says he'll compensate the next three years of digging for them. They share a toast as Grant and Ellie celebrate. San Jose, Costa Rica. Dodson arrives to a diner and sits down with Nedry. He yells out his name, and Hodgson hands him a bag of cash. $750,000 and 50 more for each embryo he gives to them. Dodson hands him a barbasol can with a secret compartment. Nedry tells him he has an 18-minute window to get past security. Gennaro, Malcolm, Ellie, and Grant are all in a helicopter with Hammond, heading to the island. Malcolm is flirting heavy with Ellie, and she can't stop blushing. They make it to the island. Hammond says, hold on, we have to land fast due to winds. The helicopter lands. They all exit and get in jeeps to explore the island. Gennaro asks if the 50 miles of perimeter fence are all in place. He tells Hammond this is not an adventure weekend. This is serious. Our investors need to be convinced. If they're not, I'm not. The jeeps stop in a field, and Grant is amazed. He removes his hat and glasses and grabs Ellie's head as they look at a brachiosaurus. They exit the jeep, and he points, saying, it's a dinosaur. Malcolm calls Hammond a crazy son of a bitch. He did it. They watch in awe as it eats leaves from top the tree. Gennaro says, we're going to make a fortune here. Grant and Ellie are flabbergasted when Hammond says he's got a T-Rex. Welcome to Jurassic Park. Beautiful shot as we see several dinosaurs drinking water and living life. How'd you do this, Grant asks. I'll show you. Back in the jeeps and they make it to a building full of dinosaur skeletons. Hammond is very proud of this park. They all sit down in a theater and watch the promo tape for Jurassic Park. They talk about the miracle of cloning. Mr. DNA now tells what DNA is and he explains they got dinosaur blood from mosquitoes who got fossilized in the tree sap. We see the blood being drawn from the mosquito and boom, dino DNA. The DNA has holes in it from being so old. They use the DNA from a frog to complete the code. So now we can make a baby dinosaur. All right, Brian, that's the opening set of scenes we got. What'd you think? Okay, so right off the bat, saying the cinematography is good is such an undersale to this. So I won't even do that this episode. Um, you know, this is freaking Steven Spielberg. I mean, this is not just good. This is one of the most visually stunning movies I'd ever seen. And yeah, it's been replicated time and time again. But the scale, the visuals that this gave us in 1993 were, I mean, to an extent, I mean, that it had never been seen before. Um, now you throw in that John Williams score it's hard to even write anything on this stuff. I mean, no matter how many times I've seen the movie, I just get transported to this Island and entranced still by, by watching these practical effects that mixed with CGI that, yeah, I mean, it's aged some, but we've seen, we've seen worse CGI in movies, you know, 20 plus years newer than this. And I'm not going to sit here and go through this amazing cast either. It's just too much and probably repetitive, but I will give a shout out to Ariana Richards that plays Lex um, our sales and marketing manager, Shan's daughter, is actually named after Lex in this movie, by the way. Um, I feel like I feel like she's such an overlooked actor in this movie and did such a fantastic job selling every scene that she's in. Um, fun fact, she's in Tremors that we're doing soon. And I will say I'm disappointed that they didn't bring her back for part six with everyone else, including Dodgson, who we see here with Nedry. So that's all I'll say, too. But, mm. I, mm -hmm. you know, it's a good thing they didn't bring up Dodgson because I looked into that. Do you know why he's not back? 
because, not not the actor. I'm just talking. I'm oh. not talking about the actor. The the the, the character of Dodgson. Okay. Uh, the, not the, the actor, actor that played Dodgson. He's not back in the new one because he's yeah. apparently a piece of shit and he's currently serving a uh, sentence for improper actions with a 13 year old girl. So fuck him. No. Yeah. I, I meant oh, yeah, the Chris character of that. Dodgson. The yeah. character of Dodgson. Gotcha. Um, oh, but after this movie, Ariana actually developed a great interest in dinosaurs and assisted Jack Horner, paleontologist advisor for this movie and the inspiration for the character of Dr. Grant on an actual dinosaur dig in Montana the following summer of 1994. Um, I also felt like it was smart of Spielberg to use Mr. DNA, who I love, uh, to, to condense a lot of that book's exposition to just a few minutes. It's a huge book, which I touch on a little bit more in the next set of scenes, so I'll just move on. But uh, the last thing I have to say is I'm just going to leave this with like a long fun fact, so bear with me. But the job of animating the full dinosaurs was first given to Phil Tippett, who did several pre-visualizations with the stop-motion animation, you know, where models are slightly moved in between shooting separate frames. You know, you know, it's, everybody knows what stop-motion is, but um, motion blur was supposed to be digitally added to make the movement seem less jerky and more convincing. However, ILM visual effects artist Steve Spaz Williams and Mark Dippay suggested that most of the full-size dinosaurs could be fully animated on computer from head to toe, though their boss, Dennis Murin, told them that they could never do a better job than Tippett. They proceeded to create a test animation of a skeletal T-Rex anyway, which was shown to producer Kathleen Kennedy when she visited ILM. Funny enough, Kathleen Kennedy is now the head of Lucasfilm. Uh, Kennedy informed Steven Spielberg, who's you know intrigued and ordered another test reel, he was blown away by the final result, where a fully fleshed T Rex walks through walks through a desert. He and Tippett looked at each other, and Tippett said, well, "I think we're extinct." Spielberg liked that line so much he gave it to Jeff Goldblum to say to Sam Neill in the visitors center. Um, Tippett later said that he was genuinely physically sick from feeling obsolete and left the set for ten days, but he was later hired back to help design the computer generated dinosaurs' movements. So that's all I got. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad that you took all of that from that Netflix episode just because it's so interesting and fascinating. I just didn't include any of it in my notes, but I used it for context. So when I watch this movie, I'm like, oh, man, I love how they did that. I love how they did that. Like, it's cool to know all that. So I'm glad you included in yours one so I don't have two, <laughs> but two so the people know because you were worded better than I do. Okay, Um I love this cold open here. Like, I think it works really well not seeing the dinosaur. Um, you just hear it. And I think that makes it a little bit more tense, a little bit more scary. Um, something that Dustin touched on in his open about how he could see a James Cameron version of this movie being darker um, and a little bit more on the horror side. I agree with you. Like, I completely get someone saying this is not a horror film. Totally do. Totally get it. It is an adventure movie. It, it's a 1,000% of fantastical adventure film with some horror elements mixed in the last 35 minutes or so. That is totally a fair thing to say, 100%. Um, but even in this open, you get a little bit of that monster movie vibe from this dinosaur that we don't see, but we hear. Like I think it just works really well the way they played that. Um, I love the line, shoot her. He just says it over and over again. Again, another classic line. I've always been, I talked about it in my open, but I've always been fascinated with paleontology and, and anthropology when it comes to humans. So I love these scenes where they're digging stuff up. Like I think it, it kind of, part of the reason I don't watch this movie that much is because I just love the real life uh, anthropology stuff and the 
and the paleontology stuff so much that when you get this like fictionalized version of it, um, I almost, you know, I'm like, yeah, whatever. But, you know, watching it this time, I really enjoyed those scenes because I enjoy that subject matter so much. They were ahead or, you know, my man, Alan Grant was ahead of his time having the dinosaur to birds link that we've come to know as fact now. But back in the day, they were more apt to compare them to lizards. And so this was ahead of its time a little bit, or at least the source material was. Um, that kid that Grant scares the shit out of is the kid that played the dream child. Fun fact there, the only one I had. Your favorite um, movie. No. Friend, friend of the show, by the way. Friend of the yeah. show. Uh, I That's not my favorite movie, but thanks for being a friend of the show, my man. Uh, um, Alan Grant would be arrested for doing it these days, how he scared the shit out of that little kid. Uh, the way he did it with the claw or whatever, he probably would... He, he would definitely end up on Twitter or TikTok or some crazy thing like that. Um, he's one or, he's right about one thing. Kids are expensive as hell. Uh, so this man is a genius because he even said they smell. And sometimes kids do smell. So again, a genius, Alan Grant. Um, Hammond, I think, is a really great character. <laughs> oh, Brian, you, that's funny. Just knows the shaving cream. Um, okay. Um, Hammond is a great character for a few reasons. Because he's not black and white. There's shades of gray. There's parts of him that you really like, and there's parts of him that you're annoyed by because he seems like he he forgot the plot. He lost the plot of why he was doing what he was doing. Um, my man, <laughs> my man Nedry here, all I can think of, he's fixing a divot from Space Jam. That's all I can think of every time I see this guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's hilarious in that movie, going back and forth with Michael Jordan and his um, terrific acting out. Just that was sarcasm. Um, Jeff Goldblum, to quote Chris Jericho, as a sexy beast baby in this movie. My God, the the swagger, the suave, just so much oozing out of Jeff Goldblum in this movie. It's kind of like a nerdy, sexy guy, though, so it works. I just love the dynamic of all these characters as they come together here. You get Hammond, you get Grant, you get Settler, like you get everybody and they're all seated together. I think the dynamic, there's so much yin and yang to everybody that are sitting together. I think that's a great scene. Um, never getting on a helicopter because fuck that. This, the, you know, the movie said almost looks like a, uh, almost like a really fancy animal kingdom. The first time you see it, uh, especially when you see the movies that made us and you look at the, how it looked, you know, making the actual set in Hawaii. Like it looks a lot like a really nice animal kingdom. Um, the facial acting, from Sam Neill and Laura Dern, when they see this dinosaur for the first time, is phenomenal. And they they sell it like a professional wrestler sells a finisher that's supposed to hurt, man. I mean, it is top-notch acting to me, especially since we know they're not actually looking at anything in real life. That that, that dinosaur was added in later with CG. Um, it's, just, it's just really great stuff. This Brachiosaurus hopped up like a dog that wants to treat... I'm just letting you know. If I ever see that in real life, I'm noping out of there, man. I'm not doing that. The minute I see a Brachiosaurus act like a dog, it's on, bro. I'm out. Uh, the extinct line is great. And I do think all the CGI holds up really, really well. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've always been a fan of that plot of mixing all the DNA to create not necessarily a dinosaur, but as close as we're ever going to get to an actual dinosaur. Like, I like that that's kind of... Always in there that people forget. Yes, they look like these dinosaurs, but technically they're not. They just extract the DNA, mix it with other things. That that really works. 
Uh, the way this man, Mr. DNA, says dinosaurs is hilarious. I can't, I can't unhear it now. I know that Dead Meat always says it like that when he reviewed this franchise for his channel. But the way he says dinosaurs instead of dinosaurs cracks me up. I can't help it. So that's all I had. Like the set of scenes. A lot of good character development to start the movie. Yeah, <clears throat> I love the opening. Uh, it shows the magnitude of what's going on without a full reveal, like how they're at the gates there. Uh, we don't see the dinosaur clearly, but we get a kill, and it's well done. We don't need to see the dinosaur cre- clearly. It, it adds a lot of suspense. I like that. Um, <clears throat> I hate how stereotypical they made Gennaro. They dressed him in a suit to go into the jungle, and he's carrying his briefcase, and he's all nerdy and clumsy, falls down. Like I don't know. That was just a very cheesy and cheap way to write that character, I think. Um, so one thing about this movie is there are a lot of factual errors. Um, you know, they, they definitely made it a, a book in a movie uh, instead of st- sticking strictly to what we know. Uh, they find Velociraptor remains in Montana, but no raptor has ever been found outside of Asia, actually. Um, another factual error is the size of the Velociraptors in this movie. In real life, they were about the size of a turkey. About a, a foot and a half high, and in this movie they depicted them, you know, well over six feet. So that's just a, a I guess, a nitpick, but it's wrong. So you're talking about that the, the raptors were 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 like what 1.6 feet tall or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But shortly after the release of the movie, a dinosaur was discovered in Utah that was almost identical to the Velociraptor in this movie. Yeah. And although the idea was finally scrapped, scrapped, you know, one of the proposed names for the new species was Utah Raptor Spielbergi. <laughs> yeah yeah that is true I, I i did see that i didn't write it down though um but i had no idea you know i was let's see it's probably 26 years old when i found out this uh about the <clears throat> error in size of the raptors i was watching this movie with my little brother i think he was like six seven at the time five six seven somewhere in there and we're watching jurassic park and he told me that and i was like what and i didn't believe him so i took out my phone and googled it. i was like holy shit he just schooled me so that was cool <laughs> Um, another thing is the movie depicts the raptor as a pack hunter, but all raptor remains found have been found solo. So it leads scientists to to conclude otherwise that they were not pack animals. So that's just a little, you know, a few nitpicks there. Then that's, that's not the only errors that we get in this movie, which is what takes away from it being a perfect movie. In my opinion, uh, Hammond's accent, noticeably Scottish in this set of scenes. A little bit later, he's noticeably English. Then he goes back to Scottish. It's like the man can't decide on where he's from. He sounds like Groundskeeper Willie in this set of scenes. Um, And then as they're in the helicopter, if you notice, he's sitting directly across from Dr. Malcolm while they're in the air because Malcolm grabs his leg. Yet as they're landing and they get out of the helicopter, the door opens. He's sitting directly across from Gennaro on the other side because he pointed to his left and... um, Statler and or Sattler and uh, Grant were to his left, but as they land, he's the first one out and they exit to the left. Um, and also, as they're landing, the jeeps are already parked as the helicopter approaches the helipad. But after they land, we get a close up of the jeeps backing up and parking. So another error. Um, and I, I don't, I don't get it. As much attention to details they put in a lot of things in this movie. And as great and brilliant as Spielberg is, you'd think he would have caught some of this stuff. Uh, but, you know, all that aside, it's still a great opening set of scenes. We get the iconic scene where the Jeeps stop and Grant sees the, the dinosaur for the first time. 
and uh, we get John Leg- John Williams, uh, John Legend, John Williams' legendary theme playing um, in the, you know, the iconic line, Welcome to Jurassic Park. All that's good stuff. It's still a very good opening. It's just as I'm watching this for, for the show, I have to take notes on it. And those are just things I noticed that are nitpicks and, and wrong, but still great. All right, the crew's seat begin to spin now and goes to the next part of the tour. They push their restraints up and go into a lab. They meet Wu as they look at the dino eggs. Hammond says he insists being here when they're born. We now see the eggs hatching as as Hammond encourages the baby dinos. Grant watches in complete awe. Wu says they can't breed in the wild. Population control is a priority. All the dinosaurs are female. They've engineered it that way. Malcolm asks, how do they know if they're all females? Wu says, we control the chromosomes. Malcolm says, life will not be contained. Life finds a way. Wu tells Grant, this is a velociraptor. They now see a cow being loaded into a pit to feed the raptors. The bushes and trees shake violently. Muldoon walks up and tells them they're lethal at eight months and have cheetah-like speed and have extreme intelligence. The crane lifts back up and is completely mangled. They're at lunch now and Hammond is making his pitch and he tells Gennaro, This place isn't catered only to the super rich. Malcolm tells Hammond, don't you see the danger here? He says you're basically just piggybacking off other scientists and selling it. Hammond can't understand Malcolm's attitude. Ellie makes her case as well, and Hammond asks Grant for his opinion. Hammond can't believe it. it. The only one on his side is the blood-sucking lawyer. Hammond's grandchildren show up, tackling him in excitement. They load up in some cool Jurassic Park-themed Jeeps, and Tim tells Grant he read his book, asking if he really thought dinosaurs turned into birds. Grant now asks Tim which car he was planning on riding in, and he shuts him in the Jeep. Lex says, She said I should ride with you. It would be good for you, as Grant and Ellie share a smile. Ray tells them to hold on to their butts as they start the tour up. Welcome to Jurassic Park as the big gates open up. They first see the Dilophosaurus display. It spits its venom at, at its prey, causing blindness and paralysis before eating its prey. However, no dinosaur to be seen. Nedry says automation isn't easy and Hammond tells him he won't get into another financial debate with him. Muldoon has them quiet as they approach the Tyrannosaurus wreck stop. Ellie says dinosaurs eat men and women inherit the earth and she gets a stare from Malcolm and Grant. They release a goat as bait for the T-Rex. Lex says she's a vegetarian as they await the T-Rex arrival. Grant says the T-Rex wants to hunt, not be fed. Hammond watches the monitor as Malcolm asks if they plan on having dinosaurs on their dinosaur tours. Malcolm gets a glass of water from Ellie and explains the butterfly effect. He's rubbing her hand and flirting hard now. Grant exits the jeep and Ellie follows him. See now, here I am, talking by myself. That's chaos theory, Malcolm says. Hammond orders the jeep stop and says we need locking mechanisms on the doors. Grant, Ellie, Lex, Tim, and Gennaro make it to a sickly looking triceratops. Grant says this was his favorite dinosaur as a kid. It's the most beautiful thing he's ever seen. Ellie asks her symptoms as Grant lies on its belly. She asks if it's a poisonous plant, but she's told the dinosaurs don't eat it. She says she'd have to see the droppings. Muldoon calls a tour off as he sees a storm approaching. All right, Brian, that's the next set of scenes I've got. What do you think? Um, Malcolm's uh, life cannot be contained speech at the start of the set of scenes and his ethical speech in the, at the dinner table later on are so damn good. I mean, Goldblum is so perfectly cast for this role. Um, Malcolm is actually, I think, supposed to be the voice of Michael Crichton and his beliefs. 
And uh, Spielberg said that he saw himself in Hammond's role. Um, in fact, that Malcolm dresses entirely in black in this movie, and well, and the world and the Lost World too, because in the book he tells Ellie that he only ever dresses in black and gray so that he never has to waste time thinking about what to wear. Seth gives the same reason for his monotonous fashion sense in Goldblum's The, uh, the Fly, um, and an idea that all originally came from Albert Einstein. So just a little fun fact there. Um, you know, Muldoon explaining, you know, how, how smart the Raptors are is just, is also just, it's very well done. Uh, you can see Hammond squirming as, as he's talking about the fences being tested for flaws and weaknesses. I mean, you can definitely tell that Chris Pratt's uh, Grady character um, in the last three Jurassic Park movies was a, was a combination of Muldoon and Grant. Uh, but I love the subtleness of the acting that, that's even going on in parts of this and in parts of these dialogue scenes that aren't even the focus of the scene itself, uh, this being one of them. Um, Sam Jackson's Ray Arnold shows up here. And, and if you notice, he always has a cigarette between his lips or between his fingers every time he is in this movie. Uh, in the scene where he and Muldoon tell uh, Hammond that the tour should be halted due to the storm, he's not smoking a cigarette, but he does have one lip nearby. So that's hence the, the small cloud of smoke behind him. Uh, you know, him being a chain smoker was carried over from the book. And I know that it's not in this set of scenes, but another little fun fact, Jackson was supposed to fly to Hawaii to film arnold's death scene but a hurricane destroyed the set and the scene had to be scrapped like he said he regrets this in the script he got to be physically chased by them you know and killed and so he really wanted to do that the shot through the grass walking up to the sick triceratops i thought was so good another standout shot you know leading to a big reveal uh the sick triceratops actually isn't really explained here in the movie at all but in the book there's a huge explanation uh you know regarding the lilac berries the dinosaur digestion and a whole bunch of boring shit, but you know, that's just an example of one of the many things that the book really does go in depth with Crichton actually estimated that the screenplay has about 10 to 20% maybe of the novel's content. So it's a big ass fucking book. Um, the last thing I have to say is like, this is the last set of scenes before the action I think really starts in this movie. Um, you know, development story that up to this point, I think you had to have in this movie. I mean, it's something you don't see in the sequels because it was explained in all of this. And I feel like it was completely unnecessary and not at all boring, at least to, to me. Uh, yeah, the practical effects that, that, that start this set of scenes with the eggs hatching, I think is really great. They hold up really well. That looks like a baby dinosaur. That's that's exactly how I thought it would look. I, I think it works. Um, Dr. Wu, a.k.a. future asshole in this franchise. Anyway, um, I love the Life Finds a Way, you, you know, kind of exposition dump here, which is a lot of what this set of scenes really is. But uh, I love how that works. I love that line. It's a great one. Also, completely off topic, but since it was mentioned, I love Chilean sea bass. So I would definitely would have left whatever they were doing to go eat that for dinner, uh, 100%. Uh, a whole cow for dinner is whew, as something. Um, the whole thing, you know, that Brian talked about with life finds a way and kind of, you know, playing God and all that stuff that that's definitely the point of the movie or at the heart of it. I think it is the back and forth, that discussion, that argument. I think the dinner scene, like I mentioned is a nexus necessary exposition dump just so this movie has a story. So it's not just dinosaur land and everyone's running around. Like it, it needed a plot and a story. And I think that adds, some layers and depth to the story. Uh, this man, Grant, really does hate kids, man. 
<laughs> he's such an a-hole to these little kids in the beginning. Uh, I would love to visit this place. You know, the scene where they roll right in uh, and you see the big Jurassic Park sign. Really cool, man. I think that would I would never happen, but it would be a really cool place to go visit. Uh, the Dilophosaurus never shows up like a bad Tinder date, so that's unfortunate. Uh, Dino eats man, woman inherits the earth. I think it's a really good line by Settler. I, I think that that's hilarious. Uh, also, I would punch this man for hitting on my woman and grabbing her hands and rubbing them. I don't think so, man. Not I'm not out here for that business. He didn't know. No, I don't want to hear that shit. I want to hear. Well, I would. Let, he would know immediately, immediately if he did that shit. <laughs> he knew, man. He's. He I don't know, I'm just gonna. He don't care. He even asked him later in the movie. I know he did, but if I were him, if I were Grant, I would have. I would have punched him right in the face, and he would have found out. Would found out today, man. Uh, <laughs> I, I love this Triceratops scene. I think it's fantastic. Uh, again, it, this dinosaur looks so real, especially for the the time. Like, I just think the way it's done with the puppeteering, there's people underneath it uh, kind of pushing up brooms to make it look like it's breathing and having the eye move. I think it's perfect. And I just love how Grant and Sadler really care about these creatures as animals. Like, they treat them just like they would treat a sick dog. Uh, and I think that works really, really well. Uh, it, it's the strength of their characters. They're clearly the good guys in this story. So... Uh, I think this set of scenes is a little bit of more of dialogue heavy kind of setting the narrative and but, but I think it works. Yeah, so this set of scenes, uh, first off, I want some of those Jurassic plate uh, Jurassic Park plates that they were serving dinner on. Like I looked for them after I rewatched it this time and you can't find them on uh, eBay on the interwebs, nothing, but I'd like some. Um, I th- it was so funny. Uh, I kind of laughed when. Dr. Malcolm said they're so preoccupied with whether they could, they didn't stop to consider whether they should. Bars. My man was spitting. I laughed at he just put him in his place right there. Um, Absolutely spitting fire, son. <laughs> the the Ford Explorers, holy shit. I want one so bad. I mean the Jeeps are fire too, but that paint scheme on the on the Ford is just so tough. But uh, uh Dr. Grant definitely gets the man fuck them kids award for this movie. He hates kids. And <laughs> it, it's it's so apparent like if he had only rode with them then he could have prevented the whole flashlight fiasco that we're about to see but instead he's like nah fuck y'all leave me alone kids uh hold on to your butts we get the the delivering of the iconic line shout out to uh, fellow tennessean samuel l jackson from down in chattanooga brian's brian's parts chattanooga there you uh, go. now here's the thing when they they arrived to the t-rex display and they're like oh we're gonna put a, a goat out to display uh, to tempt him how the hell is that goat supposed to tempt a t-rex it's chained up and the t-rex is clearly nowhere near where the the goat is uh you know raised into the uh, exhibit because we don't feel the footsteps or hear the footsteps or anything so that was kind of just eh, lame to me um the door is not locking is very impractical I know Muldoon said, I told you we should have put locks on the doors, but I feel like that would have been a top priority on in a fucking dinosaur park. You want to make sure that they can't, the guests can't endanger themselves. That's a um, insurance fiasco waiting to happen. Um, 
Sattler pointed out to the vet that the triceratops eyes are dilated was stupid to me because that's a vet that's out there checking on this sick triceratops and has been dealing with this sick triceratops for quite some time. Says it happens every six weeks. Didn't even think to notice. Oh, the pupils are dilated. And he goes, oh, well, I'll be damned. They are like, oh, God, that I don't know why that irritated me so much. One more thing I have on that, though. Uh, you kind of touched on what do you say? So maybe he just sucks at his job. <laughs> Yeah, or I mean, to be honest with you, it sounds like the uh, employees this Parker contracted, so it's not like he's getting paid by the hour. Fuck it, man. Mail it in. I feel you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> a couple more things on this set of scenes, though, that I put. You kind of touched on it, Brian. Uh, the sick triceratops, how it ends with no clear explanation. I actually have that whole bit here. And so the explanation is that Stegosaurus and Triceratops, they don't have suitable teeth for grinding food. So they would swallow rocks intentionally and use them as gizzard stones to help digest the food. And then when the rocks would grind, uh, or after six weeks or so, the rocks would become too smooth to be useful, so the animal would regurgitate them. And that's what would make them sick. And then also, the animals would uh, also swallow the West Indian lilac berries, but they couldn't digest them, so they were regurgitating them as well, which explains why they didn't find any in the, the, the shit, if you will. And uh, the last thing is the Triceratops shit was made out of clay, mud, and straw, so it didn't have a smell, and they drizzled it with honey and papayas to get the flies to swarm. So, Yummy! Yeah, I mean, I would have had to dive in here first, I guess. I love me some honey. But um, <laughs> overall, I mean, this is just kind of a slow set of scenes from an action standpoint, but it does a lot of uh, necessary advancement as far as, you know, character development letting us see the dynamic here letting us get prepared for what we're about to get into so good set of scenes shout out stegosaurus he's the goat <laughs> is that your favorite dinosaur it is <laughs> <laughs> that is one big pile of shit malcolm says as ellie sticks her hand into it ellie says she's suffering from melia toxicity malcolm asks if she'll remember to wash her hands before eating Gennaro insists they must keep moving Ellie wants to stay back with Dr. Harding to finish doctoring the Triceratops. The wind picks up as the storm approaches. Nedry is telling a dock worker to give him some time. Hammond says so much for our tour of sick Triceratops and two no-shows. Nedry asks if anyone wants something from the vending machine and now turns off the systems. Grant asks Malcolm if he has kids. He has three and says he loves them. He says he's always on the lookout for his next ex-Miss Malcolm. Nedry breaks into a room as Ray tells Hammond... It's odd the door security systems are shutting down. Nedry steals some embryos and puts them in the Barbasol can. Malcolm asks Grant if Ellie is available, and Grant says she's his lady. They realize their jeeps have stopped, and Ray tells Hammond everything is shutting down. Nedry drives through the gate, and Ray calls him a complete slob looking at his workstation. The Raptor station is still on, and Hammond asks, why'd he turn the others off? Nedry is a terrible driver as he crashes into an east dock sign. Ray is trying to access the system, but it's been hacked. He didn't say the magic word. Hammond asks where the vehicles have stopped. Grant tells Malcolm the other Jeep's radio is out too. Gennaro tells Tim to put the night vision goggles up. They're expensive. Tim asks Lex if she felt that. Tim stares at the glasses of water and notices ripples with each thud. Gennaro sits up saying maybe it's the power trying to come back on. Tim puts the night vision goggles back on and notices the goat is gone. Where's the goat, Lex asks as its leg is thrown onto the windshield. We see the T-Rex eating the goat. Gennaro exits the jeep in fear and runs and hides in a bathroom stall. 
<laughs> Malcolm says, when you gotta go, you gotta go. They now see the fence swaying as a T-Rex breaks through the fence and lets out a loud roar. Grant says, keep absolutely still as vision is based on movement. Lex gets out a flashlight, shining its light out the back glass, attracting the T-Rex to it. Lex makes eye contact with the T-Rex and both kids are in fear. The T-Rex now begins to bash its head into the side of the Jeep and now it bites into the top of the roof, knocking the glass down onto the kids. The T-Rex flips the Jeep over and begins destroying the car, biting its tires. It's crushing the Jeep as Grant gets a flare out, distracting the T-Rex, throwing it into the woods. Malcolm tells Grant to get the kids as he runs from the T-Rex with a flare. The dinosaur launches Malcolm and destroys the bathroom hut. We see Gennaro sitting on the toilet who is grabbed by the T-Rex and bitten and eaten and killed. Lex is free and lets out a scream when the T-Rex is back. Grant holds her mouth shut as the T-Rex begins to spin the vehicle around with its head. Tim is still stuck underneath the Jeep. Grant grabs Lex and begins to climb down this drop-off and tells her to grab the other wire as the Jeep falls down into a tree. The T-Rex lets out another roar. Ray tells Nedry didn't want anyone to know what he's doing. Hammond asks Muldoon to take a gas Jeep to get his grandchildren, and Ellie joins him. Ray tells Hammond he can't get Jurassic Park back online without Nedry. Nedry drives off the road, crashing his Jeep. He tries to use a winch to pull himself free, but falls down a natural water slide. He loses his glasses, but finds the winch cable. He ties it around a tree as we see something scrub behind him in the woods. It's a Dilophosaurus. Nedry tries to play fetch with it, saying, no wonder you're extinct. It follows Nedry and spits its venom on him and into his eyes. Nedry drops the Barbasol can when he falls down and gets back into the Jeep where the Dilophosaurus is waiting on him and kills him. Grant calls out for Tim. He tells Lex to wait here. He's got to go check on Tim. Lex climbs into the drain pipe as Grant begins to climb up the tree where the Jeep is stuck. Grant's bitching about hating trees and climbing as he makes it to the Jeep. Grant grabs hold of the steering wheel as he grabs Tim's hand. The tires move some, and he asks if he's ever had a treehouse. Tim says this is impossible. The Jeep begins to fall down the tree, and Grant and Tim begin to climb down faster. They make it almost to the bottom as the Jeep falls above them. Luckily, they crouch down far enough not to be crushed. All right, Brian, that's the next set of scenes I got. Man, man, Goldblum's line, that's one big pile of shit, wasn't even scripted, man. Have I mentioned how fucking good he is in this? And the second half of the movie doesn't even have any more lines. I love him, though, in the next one, too. He's phenomenal. Uh, this is probably the most memorable set of scenes in the movie for me. Uh, my favorite set comes up later, but this is definitely the most memorable, I would say. The shots are just unreal. I mean, there's so much here. Like like when we first see the T-Rex, Spielberg wanted it from inside the SUV, so we feel like we're experiencing it right there with the characters and, and feeling that fear. And And as a kid, you do. You know, according to to behind the scenes too, like this real animatronic T-Rex occasionally malfunctioned because of all the rain. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy said the T-Rex went into the uh, went into the heebie-jeebies sometimes, uh, scared the crap out of us. We'd be like eating lunch, and all of a sudden a T-Rex would come alive. At first, we didn't know what was happening, and then we realized it was the rain. You'd hear people start actually screaming. <laughs> uh, great story. Um, and apparently the most difficult effect of everything in this movie to pull off was the vibrating rings of water in the cup. Spielberg apparently got the idea from watching his mirror vibrate to the base while he was jamming out in his car one day. And then Michael Lantieri, who was the special effects supervisor on all of them, except the fifth one, by the way, I think. Uh, but when he tried to replicate that, he said it was harder than any of the dinosaur effects. They ended up like feeding guitar strings under the dashboard 
and had a man on the floor plucking the strings to achieve the effect. <clears throat> that and the effect of the T-Rex roar, like being a composite mix of a dog, penguin, tiger snarl, alligators gurgle, and baby elephants squeal. It's just, that's all just very super interesting to me. <clears throat> and I'll just spoil it right here. Gennaro being eaten off the toilet, which is a line I've definitely never uttered before in my life. But it's my favorite kill in the movie. It pretty much terrified me when I was little. And apparently when Martin Farrow actually ran in there, he did fall and happened to land on the toilet. So Spielberg kept it in for you know authenticity. Um, it's just, just what a set of scenes. I mean, the last thing I'll say is, is Nedry's, uh, nah, you didn't say the magic word. Look, I'm in IT. And oh, I mean, more than probably 10 or 15 years ago when I was still starting out of my job, I created a page, but with my boss's face on it, for when people went to a website that was blocked by our filter and it had a, had it going, ah, 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 you didn't say the magic word. Just, I, you know, I wouldn't suggest that if you're an IT guy though, by the way, just for future reference. Go ahead. Oh yeah, man. Uh, that that's one big pile of shit is a fantastic line. Again, another one of those classic things from this movie. Um, <laughs> I have a question for you guys. You guys are, are uh, two of you are a little bit older than me. So 93 was Sam Jackson, Sam Jackson yet. At this point, like the guy that we know him to be, as far as as you know his like fame and and all that, or was was this like an earlier role as far as his pop culture stuff goes? I mean, I, I was, mean, I was years old. Go to hell! I don't know. I was I was gonna say I was in fourth. I was in fourth. Come on, grade. man! I thought y'all would know, old <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs> I was I had in to get fourth grade. I wasn't watching Sam Jackson movies anyway, so I mean, you know, Pulp Fiction wasn't on my uh, wasn't on my to watch list when I was. You motherfuckers! <laughs> I, I just had to quote Sam Jackson there. Okay, uh, I'm not gonna lie. I would steal those embryos too, man. Which is a line I never thought I'd say. <laughs> Uh, it's a sentence I never thought I'd utter, but man, that's a lot of money in them things. I, Wait a second. Pulp Fiction didn't even come out until 94 is like the next year. So see, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about anyway. You go. No. So there the answer go. is no. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I will say the line about stealing the embryos and all that stuff with Nedry, I feel kind of takes away from the main story to me. Um, it's probably the only stuff I'm just not like a big fan of. Uh, I, I feel like we have enough story. We have enough dialogue and exposition. Like, I don't feel like you need this subplot to make this movie whole. I mean, I don't hate it, but I do feel like it drags the movie down just a little bit. Kind of bloats the runtime, in my opinion. Mike, and I'll tell you something too. Like that all that subplot comes full circle in, in the sixth one in the last, See, I haven't made it that far. I've seen one through three. I haven't seen the new ones at all, but but this one was written without the sixth one being thought of yet. So I'm wondering, right? Or is the sixth one taken from the book? I have no idea. Okay, like in the book, it says the company of, you know, Dotson and all the people that are stealing the stuff that's competing with Engine. And mm. that's, you know, that's the focus of part six. So so I would say, yes, it's based on. What I meant was, so they didn't necessarily write or make this movie knowing that there was going to be five sequels, but they oh, probably no, 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 no. did. There was probably much more to that storyline that was cut. That was in the book. That right. We, yeah. We makes sense. Right. To right. Just by right. watching a two hour movie. Right. There you go. Okay. Um, sorry that I lost my place there for a minute. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, but, but again, I just, I do feel like it kind of bloats the main story. And if it comes full circle, that's great. I need to watch those movies anyway, at some point, but I just, in, in, in this one standalone film, I just felt like, eh, 
okay, like we've already got enough adventure. We've already got enough of the horror elements that I like. And, and I just feel like this subplot kind of weighs it down a little bit. It's a, it's a nitpick, but it's a negative in my opinion. Uh, but then we're right back into the good stuff, man. The sense of fear and dread you get waiting for this T-Rex, that is straight up out of a horror movie. I think that's well done. It's well shot. And that very first look you get at the T-Rex is a fantastic shot. I know it's either animated or puppet. However, they decided to do that. The shot with that camera, it's it's phenomenal. It's iconic. And I, it's the shot I always go to when, when, when I think of this movie. And I mean, almost 30 years later, these shots are still incredible. The effects, the lighting, the sound, it's perfect. Uh, breaking through the van is also great. Uh, I'm sure that was terrifying if you saw this in the theater in 93 as a kid. Like, I can't imagine that not, like, making you want to poop your pants. I, I, I mean, I didn't, but I can imagine how that went. Uh, I think it's funny. The only thing this T-Rex eats is a tire, which made me giggle. Uh, again, here's some more great camera work and and CGI. The The T-Rex chasing Malcolm is such a good shot. CGI or not, I mean, just the way they move the camera around with the rain falling down, it's really, really good, man. Uh, just a lot of good action sequences, a lot of good camera work here. Um, this... The Dilophosaurus is about to tear his ass up, and thank God, because I wanted to see this storyline wrap up. It's a really cool visual, you know, with the sides coming out and the, you know, poisonous goo or whatever. It's really good. I'm glad we got that, and I'm glad I'm glad Nedry got killed, but I just wish that whole thing wasn't in there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I also talked about the Explorers that – that Dustin mentioned in the uh, previous set of scenes, because that looks a lot like the Explorer that I drive currently, not the paint job, but just the make and model. So that's uh, about, it's about 11 years later as my make and model, but still, still that, that looked very similar. So I was happy to see a Ford Explorer represented on the base screen. That's all I had. All right. So this set of scenes has one of my favorite lines of the movie, but it's not one that you probably expected. I love when Grant asked uh, Dr. Ian, uh, you married? And he says, occasionally, I'm always on the lookout for a future Mrs. or ex-Mrs. Malcolm. Bars. He thinks he's me. He stole my whole flow, bar <laughs> for bar. Love that. Um, but no, okay, so another nitpick or confusion that I have is, so these uh, automated vehicles are on track, right? Like, they're not driving them. They can't control them. They're on a track. And then the tour was cut short. How did they turn around? How did the vehicles turn around without going all the way around the entire park? And they didn't go all the way entire, around the entire park. So, hmm. Anyway. Um, the iconic shot of the water shaking as the T-Rex approaches. Holy shit. Like, that's just... And that's what I meant. Like, this this scene, this whole scene is great. The T-Rex and the, uh, the panic and the fear that we get that seems really real and genuine uh, mixed with the atmosphere, the rain. It's perfect. And that... That set of scenes, absolutely. That scene absolutely is horror. Um, another thing, if Tim really read Grant's books, I feel like he would know that his little ass better be still, and like he would know better than to let his sister get in the fucking toolbox and pull out a flashlight. Like, what? What's the deal? Uh, you know, he act like he didn't know shit about dinosaurs when shit got real. 
Um, Newman, Stan Podolak, Dennis Nedry, whatever you want to call him. He's such an annoying character in everything he's in. Uh, shout out to Wayne Wayne Knight. Is that, I think that's his name. Um, but more of a shout out to the Dilophosaurus for taking him out. But just because he's so annoying in everything he's in. That's a sign of a good actor there. Um, but it's such a memorable, memorable scene. First of all, for me, very memorable. Because when he fell down that little uh, you know, embankment there, I cringed because recently I fell down my stairs going to my basement and hurt my ass pretty bad. So I, I know that hurt him. And I know that it knocked the wind out of him. So I, I feel you there. I'm sorry that you had to do it. But the good news is you didn't have to suffer that bad. You died shortly after. But uh, it was such a memorable scene. for Like when I was a kid, just the the, the sight of that Dilophosaurus, the, the neck frill puffing out and the venom being spit. Like so memorable. Never mind the fact that that's complete bullshit that they made up because Dilophosaurus is number one, were about six feet tall. Number two, didn't have a neck frill. Number three, didn't spit venom. But whatever. That's cool. Uh, side note, the Dilophosaurus venom was actually made up of methacryl and KY jelly mixed with food coloring. So th- there's there's that. Newman's just standing there with KY on his face. I was going to um, say, good luck getting that out of your hair. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yep. Um, but why why the fuck would he have the Barbasol can in his jacket like that, though? Like, you know, he falls getting in his Jeep or whatever, or he hits his head and he falls down and the Barbasol can just goes rolling down the mountainside there. Like, if that thing is worth, you know, a million dollars, why the hell is he just carrying it in his jacket like that? I feel like I would have it safe and secure in my briefcase, in my suitcase, inside the Explorer where it can't go, you know, missing. Um, Man, did you see that guy's office? Man, that dude's a fucking slob. He don't give a shit. He is, but he's a slob because he's underpaid. That was his whole beef, so he didn't take pride in his workplace. He has a million-dollar Barbasol can in his possession. I feel like he would try to kind of change his ways when it comes to that. You don't know um, his life. <laughs> he's a slob. You don't know his life. I know his life. He's fixing a divot. Oh, <laughs> I, uh, never mind. I almost, quoted, I almost quoted Scott Steiner. This fat son of a bitch. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Hey, I'm not gonna lie. In my least favorite kill, I'm I'm, I'm spoiling it. I wrote fat ass because I wanted to see him die a lot better. Oh, <laughs> I think mean. that's my least favorite kill too. Damn. Yeah. All right. Oh, sorry, right, man. Last thing, I I the, last thing I have on the set of scenes. It's a very good set of scenes, but uh, there are some you know some head scratchers like how the fuck, why the fuck, and I've had that. That's a constant theme in this review for me. Is how the fuck is Tim unscathed after that fall? Like the motherfucker was underneath the explorer. The explorer got pushed off the side of the uh, mountain into the tree, and you know we find out when Grant climbs up to him, well, he's he's cool, no broken bones, no concussion. Uh, you know he's fine. What? Get get the fuck out of here. There shouldn't even be a cliff falling there though. That's the another thing. Is like the T Rex just came from there. <laughs> well, well, yeah, that's true. But I think the T Rex. Was I don't think that that was uh, where the T Rex is standing though. I don't think it was level with them because the T Rex, when we see T Rex, his head was a lot closer to the ground. Then I don't know. You may be right. I never, I never thought about that. I mean, from what I saw, that's where the T Rex walked up and ripped through the fence. But just walked up. <laughs> yeah. But um, next set of scenes, still great scene. I love that scene. It stoked me ever since I was a kid. There are there are a lot like we talked about earlier. There are a lot of goofs in this movie, but me personally, I've watched this movie. I mean, probably 50, 60 times in my life, 
And without like going and looking them up, I personally never noticed any of these goofs. Now I'll never unsee them. So thanks guys for ruining it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I watched the top 10 like goofs in Jurassic Park on YouTube and there's quite a bit, but I mean, it's still a great movie. I mean, fuck all that. I mean, you're nitpicking at that point. If you, you know, all right. uh, Yeah. All right. Muldoon and Ellie make it to the T-Rex exhibit and call out Grant's name. They hear a roar and then they find Malcolm on the ground. He says to remind him, <laughs> I love this line. He says to remind him to thank John for a lovely weekend. Ellie looks down over the side and sees the other Jeep. They've made it down quite quickly and discover they aren't there. Malcolm is in the back of the Jeep and sees the water and the footprint shaking. He tells them, we got to get out of here now. As they get into the Jeep, the T-Rex reveals itself and begins to chase them. Malcolm backs up into the gear shifter and they almost drive into a tree. The T-Rex gives up pursuit as Malcolm asks, you think they'll have that on tour? Grant and the kids climb up this tree and Tim says, look, Brachiosaurus. Grant makes some dinosaur noises and attracts them. He tells Lex they aren't monsters, they're herbivores. Grant sits on the raptor's claw and tells, and Tim tells Grant some dinosaur jokes. Lex asks, what happens if they come back while we're asleep? Grant says he'll stay up all night as he chunks the claw. We're in the Jurassic Park store as Hammond sits alone eating. Ellie says Malcolm is okay for now. She gave him morphine. Hammond says the kids will be fine, and who better to be with than a dinosaur park than an expert? Hammond now tells Ellie the first attraction he built coming back from Scotland, a flea circus. He says hiring Nedry was a mistake, and she says this is a mistake. The only thing that matters now are the people we love. She takes a bite of ice cream and says it's good. He says we spared no expense. The group wakes up in the tree when they see the Brachiosaurus eating leaves right in front of them. They give it a branch full of leaves to eat, and they pet its nose and now sneezes on them, covering them as Tim yells out, God bless you. They're walking away. Tim says, great, now she'll never come out of her room. She says she's a computer hacker. Grant finds dinosaur eggs and says they're breeding. He says in nature, some West African frogs can change sex, and he says Malcolm was right. Life found a way. Malcolm gives them a stare with his shirt unbuttoned as Hammond says to shut down the entire system. Ray says he's unsure because we've never completely shut the system down. Hammond says, people are dying. Will you please shut the system down? Ray shuts it down and says, hold on to your butts as he flips the switch back on. The computer says, system ready. The breakers are in another room, but Ray says he can have it back up in three minutes. Hammond wants everyone in the safety bunker. Grant and the kids are in a field full of gallimimus, I think is how you pronounce it, that are running at them. The three now begin to take off running and jump over a fallen tree and hide in front of it to prevent being trampled on. The T-Rex appears catching one of them, killing them, and eating it. Grant says, I bet they'll never look at birds the same again, huh? Ellie thinks something has gone wrong, and Hammond says, it's just a delay. Ellie says she's going to go turn the power back on. Muldoon gets a shotgun out, and Hammond says, this isn't easy as turning on the kitchen light, but he thinks he can talk her through it. Ellie and Muldoon exit the bunker and head towards the power shed. Muldoon says, even Nedry should know better than to mess with the raptor fences. Muldoon says we can't make it. We're being hunted right now. He tells Ellie to run towards the shed and he'll distract the raptor. She runs full speed and makes it inside, calling out for Ray. Hammond talks her through the steps. Grant and the kids make it to an electric fence they have to climb over. Grant fakes the, ki- Grant fakes the kids out like he's being shocked. Lex thinks it's not funny and Tim thought it was hilarious. They hear a roar and all begin climbing. Malcolm takes the radio and tells her to follow some piping on the ceiling. Ellie finds the breakers as the three make it over the top and begin climbing down. Ellie charges the system and pushes the button. 
Grant hears the fences kicking back on, and they tell Tim he has to jump, but he's scared. He counts at three, but is launched off. He's launched off the fence as the electricity kicks back on. Ellie is scared by a raptor now, and Ray's arm falls on her as she runs out the power shed. And the next set of scenes are the ending. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, again, the acting is just phenomenal. I mean, Laura Dern just seeming scared to death looking for Alan in the other car, um, you know, at the start of this set of scenes to her screaming. And I mean, Jeff Goldblum being in the back of that Jeep during that chase sequence. I'm fairly alarmed here. I don't know. And I, oh, and another fun fact, the line must go faster that he says, like, while they're being chased in Independence Day. Director Roland Emmerich liked it so much that he had Goldblum say that line when he and Will Smith were escaping the mothership. Uh, and as long as many times as I've seen both of those movies, I've just never put that together. I don't, I don't know why. So I've learned something new myself. Uh, but that shot of Malcolm's face looking at the mud puddle and the T-Rex footprint ripple. Just another shot that stood out to me there as being amazing. Um, now, you do get a touch of a break in the action midway through the set of scenes. You know, Spielberg really freaking reels me back in anyway. You know, and you bond even more with Grant and Lex and Tim, you know, in, in that tree scene with the brontosaurus and, and kind of, or was it Brachiosaurus? Remember. Um, but it kind of just reminds you that it's not all action and big and horror like and terrifying and lets you take a breath and gander at this you know just just fucking world that just sucks you in and and visuals before the finale and, and kind of being shown that the raptor's escaping here honestly though every time i don't know why but i hold my breath probably longer during the scene where tim being revived more than any part of the film you know i, I guess i guess props to joseph mazzello who plays tim and sam for selling it as well as they do you know, Neil apparently fumbled through several takes of giving Tim CPR, uh, trying to avoid physical contact. Finally, with Mazzello's permission, he actually uh, performed mouth-to-mouth. Mazzello now refers to this as his first on-screen kiss, so that's hilarious. Uh, he, he went on to have a pretty long career, still doing recent stuff. Uh, he just he did Bohemian Rhapsody uh, back in 2018, so not long ago. Um, the last thing I'll say is only because it goes into the last set of scenes, too, but Ellie, as she runs away from this raptor, you know, and stops outside the gate and cries, Laura Dern was apparently crying for real and was genuinely frightened in the scenes because the way the shot had been constructed, it genuinely terrified and shocked her. So great work by all involved, of course. Yeah, so you're going to tell me from here on out <laughs> the setup for this isn't at least somewhat horrorish, like not horrorish horror-ish i should enunciate better my bad your mother's a whore anyway <laughs> um that was for dustin <laughs> the lighting the impending doom from all the dinosaur roars like pretty terrifying stuff man the shot of the t-rex from behind the trees is just one of my favorite shots in the film as he pops out there or she pops out there excuse me this and the chase scene as you're chasing the car is so well shot i love it um the discovery that they've been breeding is one of my favorite dialogue heavy scenes in the movie because it goes all the way back to the life finds a way stuff in the beginning. And I think it, it's a really nice way to kind of work that back into the story. Great writing to me. Um, I'm not quite sure what shutting down the system does, but uh, okay. I may have just been a little lost there. Classic line. Hold on to your butts. I mentioned it earlier. Great job. Great stuff. The Gallo Mont look, I'm not a dinosaur expert. I just enjoy them. The Gallimimus stampede 
looks like the stampede out of the Lion King with the wildebeest, but it was just a really cool visual to see these humans running along dinosaurs. Like I think it works so well. I'm a big fan of it. Um, again, just and I think the CGI is good here. Out of all the CGI in the film, maybe because it's daylight, this stampede kind of looks the worst to me. Um, but it's still good. It's you know it's 1993. It's it's. It's still pretty good. I love the way the T-Rex just snaps one out of fucking midair, basically. Uh, it it gets me every time I see it. Uh, Sattler kind of chiding Hammond for being sexist, I think, is a great line. It's awesome. Um, the fake out of let This is how I know that he likes these kids, but he also hates... He still hates these kids. The fake out of electrocution is a dick move, man. What are you doing, Grant? That's an asshole thing to do right there when it's just you and them. Come on, man. <laughs> I mean, I know we're, I know we've given them the man fuck them kids award, but you know, speaking of man fuck them kids, little Timmy, you got to jump, son. You can't get up there and be a big wuss. You got to jump from this fence, man. You can't be up there crying and shit. I need you to come on. Let's go. Let's get with the getting. He didn't get him. By the way, the first time I ever saw this movie, I was pun intended shocked that they shocked Timmy off the fence. Like I think that was uh, a good jump scare. To me, I love these Velociraptors. They're fucking evil. I love the way they look. I'll save it for the last set of scenes. But the falling or the uh, the arm falling on Settler, I think, is great. Uh, it's a really cool visual, uh, and not something I expected again. So I really like. This is where the movie really starts to kind of turn the volume up, as I like to say. So I'm a big fan of it. Yeah. Um, so first of all, when they're up in the tree, Grant chucking that raptor claw was funny to me because it's like you know. He was so obsessed with raptors that he was digging up a raptor in Montana and carried that claw with him everywhere. But then after, you know, a couple encounters with some real dinosaurs, it's, it's almost like a fuck this shit moment. And so it kind of made me laugh. Um, then when uh, he's walking with the kids and you get the back and forth between Lex and, and Tim when he, she says, I'm a hacker. And he says, that's what I said, a nerd. That's a funny line. But it's also kind of like a come on a foreshadowing moment for me because like that hasn't been mentioned at all that she loves her computers and she's really into computers and she's a hacker and all this but they say it here as we're winding down in the storyline and then knowing what we know happens it's like ah that was kind of a cop out there um we get a great scene with Muldoon realizing that they're being hunted I love that uh, and then uh, Sattler running away with a camera behind her following very tense moment very well well done um <laughs> so when grant walks up to the fence and he says guess that means the power's off no shit you were literally swinging from the electric cables earlier in the movie and then uh, you know not only that how else did the fucking dinosaurs get out like yeah the power's down bro the electric fences aren't working i that was annoying but um we get a great jump scare with the raptor poking its head through when she's when uh Sattler's all excited about the power coming back on. She did it. She did it. And then, bam, wrapped her head through the wall. I thought that was very well done. But it's a good set of scenes to get us where we're going because the action is really picking up here, and we're, we're in for a good climax. That's what she said. I love uh, Dead Meat's nickname for Tim. Mike, you know where I'm going with this. Takes a line from his Saw 3 review, slow-ass motherfucking Tim. <laughs> all right, but here's the ending. Uh Another great set of scenes coming up. 
Muldoon is walking the forest in pursuit of the other raptor. He aims his gun, but is ambushed from the side and attacked and killed by the raptor. Grant is performing CPR on Tim and gets him resuscitated. The three make it to the building with the skeletons, and Grant leaves them in the dining hall. Grant tells Lex to watch Tim and says his hair is sticking up. He got turned into a human piece of toast. Tim walks over to the dessert bar. Ellie finds Grant and runs into his arms. The kids are eating now, loving life, until Lex is frozen when she sees the raptor's shadow behind Tim. Lex and Tim hide in the kitchen. Ellie says the third raptor is contained unless it knows how to open doors. The raptor figures out how to open the kitchen door and pursues the kids. It lets out some roars and Lex tells Tim to follow me. They crawl along the workstation slowly. They knock some dishes to the floor and the kids crawl away quick as they can. A raptor jumps on the counter and looks around. A raptor almost gets to Tim but Lex distracts them with a ladle banging it on the floor. A raptor runs full speed into a reflection and Lex gets away. Tim limps away and traps one of the raptors in a freezer. Lex and Tim make it out of the kitchen and back to the adults. They make a run for the control room. Ellie reboots the systems as Grant holds the door shut. Ellie runs to help Grant and Lex takes over on the computer. Grant tells Ellie to stretch for the gun but she can't reach it. Lex gets the system rebooted finally and the door's locked. All security systems enabled and Grant calls Hammond. Hammond is told the kids are fine and Hammond is told to call for the helicopters. The raptor breaks through the glass and they climb into the ducts above the room. Grant kicks the raptor in the face and Lex almost falls below. They make their escape and jump onto the dinosaur skeletons. The raptor jumps after them. Tim jumps below and the others fall to the ground. The four are surrounded until the T-Rex appears, grabbing one of the raptors, killing it. The four make a run as the other raptor attacks the T-Rex. Hammond and Malcolm arrive in their jeep. Grant says he has decided not to endorse the park. Hammond says, so have I. The T-Rex lets out a victorious roar as it kills the last raptor. They make it onto the helicopter and Hammond stares at his failed park one last time and gets onto the helicopter. He stares at the mosquito fossil as Ellie watches Grant hold the kids in his arms and she smiles. Grant watches some birds fly over the water as we get a shot of the helicopter flying over the water now and the film ends with end credits. Alright Brian, what'd you think? Hell of a movie. Hell of a movie. Um, okay, so now this has my two favorite scenes, favorite scenes, like I'm saying, not best favorite scenes, but favorite scenes combined into this kind of last scene breakdown, you know, starting off with Muldoon's death. Now, probably my least favorite kill, but the way it happened every time your heart just like almost sinks with him as he says, clever girl, as they outflank him, like just, I love that scene so much. It's so fucking awesome. Now the kitchen scene as well as being my favorite was Ariana Richards' favorite as well. Like, it apparently filmed with men in suits as the Raptors. You know, apparently anyone in a suit could only do it for up to, like, 15 minutes, too, because, like, they were, they were like, bending over in, like, a downhill kind of skiing position. Um, and the Raptor clicking his toenails, like, that was done with a puppeteer walking on Raptor legs. So, um, you know, this and this was one of the other scenes I was talking about with Ariana Richards, like acting so terrified while she's while she's holding that jello. I thought it looked so damn good. Um, you know, apparently there was a crew member holding her elbow to shake it like that, which I can't unsee now. But it's just it's ridiculously effective. Like I, I thought it really came across good. And the last thing, just the finale again, I think it's tremendous. Um, Spielberg actually changed the ending a few weeks before the shoot, like the original ending had the T-Rex skeleton in the visitor center falling and killing the raptor.
but that final fight, like with the T-Rex and the Raptors and then it ending with the banner falling as, as T-Rex stands on the dead Raptors is just so iconic. Um, and, and also so freaking cool how that banner is still there on the floor whenever they find this old visitor center in Jurassic world. So I, anyway, I love this movie. I, I, I can't say, say that anymore. Yeah. You know, the reason he added that scene is because when he finally got a look at this T-Rex and, and how it could move and what it could do, he decided that's the hero of the movie. Not, 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 not the humans, but the T-Rex who you would normally think is the villain. And, and, you know, it's kind of shot that way for a while, but it, the, you know, she saves the day in the end. And so that was the reason that scene was added there. I think that was a great touch by Spielberg to do that. Uh, I love the looks of these Velociraptors. I said in the last set of scenes, I just think the way they almost use them like a slasher villain here with these chase scenes, I think is really, really great. Uh, a lot of the CGI still looks really good, man. Like, like, you know, there's sometimes you get too close on the Velociraptors and you can kind of see the puppet part of it, but I don't know, man. I think it looks great. I would, if I were a kid, I would have loved to eat in that dining area that the kids were in. I would have just stayed there and not went out on an adventure. Would have just ate myself to sleep somehow. Uh, <laughs> but their plan, once the raptors start chasing them and the adults are terrible, you're not going to keep that door shut with dinosaurs trying to break it down by just leaning up against it. That's, that's not how that works. Terrible, terrible plan. Uh, rebooting an old-ass computer would take a really long time, so that's kind of dumb, too. Uh, trying to shoot a dinosaur through glass, not the best plan either. So, again, this is like the only, like, meh, kind of, like, horror movie trope almost moments for characters to just, like, not make the best decisions on the fly, I guess. But I think the, man, that Velociraptor head popping out of the vent there is one of my favorite shots. It's so cool. It's a good jump scare. I love it. Um, the closing scene with the fossils is fantastic. The baby face turn of the T-Rex. Uh, shout out to all the wrestling fans. Very unexpected, but I love it. I think it adds a really nice touch. Fantastic last set, man, or last scene here. I love the I love the very ending when you get the classical, like calm music. It's just such a it's just such a nice touch compared to all the chaos that we just went through. So I love that, and I love I love the movie ending on the shot of birds flying because it just goes back to the birds and everything. So um, I I love this last set of scenes. I think it's so intense. I love everything about it. Yeah. Um, so first thing we get, or first thing I wrote was leaving the kids alone after all that you've just been through is further proof why Grant gets the Man Fucked Them Kids Award. Even if you think it's safe inside in this dining hall or whatever, come on, man, what are you doing here? <laughs> um, the scene with the, the raptors in the kitchen is a stellar scene. I mean, it's incredible tension. Um, I love when the raptor runs into the uh, stainless cabinet there or whatever you want to call it because he sees the reflection. Or she does, sorry. Um, but it's just a great set of scenes there. Kind of goes on a little long, but I don't know. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe that's just me nitpicking because I'm tired right now. I didn't have that in my notes. I'm just tired. Um, th this is what I was talking about, though, with the kind of lame cop-out foreshadowing we got earlier. Lex just goes straight back to the or straight to the computer and is able to hack Nedry's code like it's not shit. And he's like, oh, fixed it. Park's back online. We're good. Come on. How old is this little girl? 
I ain't buying that shit. I, I hated that. But overall, I, I, I like the ending. I think it's solid other than that. And um, yeah, it's a nice way to tie a bow on it. And it's just funny because we get five sequels. It seems like every one of them is the same thing. It's like, ah, oh, we shouldn't do this shit no more. Yeah, you're right. Let's make another movie. Ah, damn, we really shouldn't do this shit no more. But the first one as a standalone, it's like, man, this is awesome. Hey, wait, and I may be tired as hell too, but did she hack the code or did she just actually just figure out how to go turn it back on because of the language that she, the programming language and like she just, because it rebooted. So that's why they rebooted it. Sure. Okay. You're right about that. So maybe she didn't hack the code, but still. She's a child. No, 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 no. I get, I get that. I was just, <laughs> just making sure that I wasn't just tired too. Yeah, you. I think you I are right. I, I retract that part, but it's just like, come on, man. You tell me, Sam Jackson couldn't figure that shit out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Let's jump into our social media comments and questions. Uh, let's do Facebook first. Missy Hutchinson Wall. She commented, "Absolutely, still one of my favorites," and I think we'll all agree with you, Missy. And Kevin Podoff commented, so awesome. Great movie and great action figures. T-Rex is the hero of the movie. <laughs> Always love reading Kevin's comments. Chris underscore 2020 on Instagram said, Watching this as a young kid, I definitely got horror vibes with the Velociraptors. Loved how real they made the danger feel. Absolutely, I agree 100%. Tons of fun underscore comment comics commented, I remember being a small child hiding behind my mom during the Raptor kitchen scene. Ha <laughs> ha. Also, as a kid, the C-130 shooting late at night always made me terrified a T-Rex was stomping around in the woods. This movie brings up some great memories. I think the nostalgia is definitely there for a majority of all of us, and that's what makes the movie so special. Right, let's jump over to Twitter now. Uh, Matt Sears commented, An all-time great film. Saw it in a the theater when I was a kid and was blown away. All these years later, the movie still holds up. So many iconic lines, mostly from Malcolm. Love this film. Absolutely, brother. Uh, Sean Irwin commented, an amazing movie with some truly mediocre sequels. 10 out of 10, movie has nothing wrong with it. Um, let's see. Kevin Scanlon commented, this film is elite. Anyone who says different can fight me. <laughs> We're not going to fight you, brother. We agree. Uh, Randy <laughs> Smith commented, one of my all-time favorite movies. One of the first movies I ever saw in the theaters. The special effects still hold up almost 30 years later. I agree. This, the effects look great. And this is the last... Uh, questions this is from the cool he had some great questions last week and some great ones this week he says all-time favorite number one what is the movie categorized as action horror sci-fi i'll just say yes it's funny, yes. It's funny to say that i actually have imdb pulled up right oh. here and it's uh action adventure oh, sci-fi <laughs> no i think that's very fair oh yeah slash absolutely horror. slash horror i don't care what they say and number two, second question was, this is a really good question. If you were, if you were all were in the situation, who would be more terrifying, the huge and loud T-Rex or the group of intellectual and stealthy raptors? Oh, dude, no question, raptors. Well, these raptors ain't real, so the T-Rex. <laughs> but the, if you're in the movie situation with these raptors. I'm Man, built different. I'm built different. Hey, how come all these raptors are like Chris Bosh? All right, anyway. Oh my God! What? <laughs> to answer his question, I would be more scared of the T Rex personally, but I ain't trying to fuck with any of them. I would be more scared of the T Rex, but these raptors seem to hang around in groups, so I think they may tear your ass apart. 
Well, yeah, but all you can do is, oh, you just stand still and the T-Rex will leave you alone. These raptors yeah. don't in, give In the fuck. movie, but in real life, T-Rexes had a very keen sense of smell, so they'd still find their prey. What are you doing right now? We're talking about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't let these lies go. Lies won't prosper. <laughs> All right, here's his last... help you out. Got it, got it, got it. Got it. <laughs> here's his last question, and we're done. Number three, a quick comment. I still never understood why Dennis, <laughs> and he put in, <laughs> in parentheses, fat guy with the raincoat, was such in a it. rush to bring the DNA that he stole. The, the competing company was in need of the goods. He could have made them wait till the morning when the storm was calmed down. If I vaguely remember, didn't he say like there was some like timeline that he had to, like a time like he had to meet? I think it was something like that. Yeah, because the boat was leaving. I yeah, mean, that's yeah. why he called him and said, "Hey, we're fucking leaving," and that's why yeah. he had to get out there and in the storm. He had thirty six hours worth of coolant in the air in the Barbasol can to keep it cool, and then his also his boat was leaving, and then the storm they were leaving even sooner. So, yeah, but great questions. Um, that's it for social media. Let's jump into fun facts. Brian, Dustin, y'all got any? I got, I got a, a few. few. So go go ahead, Dustin. All right. So let me pull him back up here. So I mentioned that James Cameron wanted to make the movie. He also, here's what he wanted to cast. Holy shit. Talk about, yeah, I'm in. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is Grant. Bill Paxton is Malcolm. And Charlton Heston is Hammond. Fuck yeah, dude. Oh, Sign Lord. me up. Oh, Lord. <laughs> um, this is a very uh, Steven Spielberg-esque trademark here. So, you know, chopper. I criticize. I criticized uh, Jaws because of how little this, the shark actually got screen time. How about in this movie? Two hours and three minutes, I believe. Only 15 minutes worth of screen time for dinosaurs. Um, but that's okay. In this uh, in this movie, I don't mind as much as Jaws. Um, I think, Brian, I know you mentioned some of the sounds. I deleted them out of my notes, as you mentioned. But I don't know if you mentioned this one. The Brachiosaurus sounds? Nope. Okay, it was a mixture of whales and donkeys. Okay. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh this one kind of befuddled me. Uh Steven Spielberg wanted Judith Barcy for the role of Lex. He previously oh, worked yeah. with her in The Land Before Time, nineteen eighty eight, but he was shocked to discover that unfortunately she had been murdered in nineteen eighty eight by her own father. Holy shit. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Tragic. I had that one too, because holy shit. Yeah, yeah. That's the same thing. Um some other names that were considered, uh, Sandra Bullock, Gwyneth Paltrow, Julianne Moore, Helen Hunt, Terry Hatcher, and Elizabeth Hurley, all tested for the role of Ellie. Uh, this was something that I found interesting. So, you know, the premise of this movie is that there was DNA that was found in mosquitoes that have been you know, trapped in amber for all these years. Uh, scientists have found that DNA would disappear after about 6.8 uh, million years. So it hanging on for uh, 75 million years just isn't really plausible. And then the another interesting thing about the mosquito, where'd it go? So the mosquito that was trapped in it was, uh, uh, where'd it go? I think it was called an elephant. I can't find it now, but it was an, ele oh, okay. The mosquito trapped was an elephant mosquito. The only mosquito that doesn't drink blood. So the one that they actually show the DNA being extracted from, didn't drink blood. They lived on sugary substances like nectar from flowers and sap of plants. So that's inaccurate. That mosquito wouldn't have any dinosaur DNA. You don't know that. That that mosquito might have been fucking vampire mosquito. You don't know. All right, now we're just making up even more shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, last two that I've got. 
because man, and I, I want to tell you, if you want to know more about this movie, there's all kinds of trivia out there. I didn't write oh, yeah, down man. half of the shit that it's I read so just because, holy it's hell, so. I was overwhelmed. But um, AFI named this movie the 35th most thrilling movie of all time uh, in June of 2001. And this is just a nice little footnote for the film. This was the first movie to ever be dubbed in Hindi. Ah, nice. Okay. Have, to give, have to give the old Hindi version a watch. Um, <laughs> I don't know about all that. So I touched on this earlier. Uh, Biasin is Engine's genetics rival in the novel. Uh, that comes back into play in part six, as well as the shaving cream can containing the dinosaur embryos, Nedry stole being buried in mud. This is also present at the very end of the Jurassic Park ride in Universal Studios, Florida, where it's sitting on a rock next to a spitter or a Dilophosaurus squirting water at uh, at riders and also comes back into play in part six. Um, Sir Sean Connery, oh, Sean Connery, was offered the role of John Hammond based on his uh, performance as Professor Henry Jones Sr. in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the Go Indiana Jones movie. Um, Steven Spielberg considered Richard Dreyfus, who starred in his Jaws and Close Encounters of the Third Kind movies, also for the role of Dr. Alan Grant. Um, and the last one is very important. Sam Neill remembered attending the premiere with his son, Tim, who farted right next to Princess Diana. Thank you. <laughs> God, Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's why people listen to the show is I can't, getting facts like that. I can't follow that up, man. Uh, <laughs> all right. The budget was a, a very well-known $63 million. Well, it looks like $65 million budget. And it made over worldwide now over a billion dollars. So that's a reason it has some so-so sequels. And, but, but I will say to Brian, to what I said to Brian earlier, watch that movies that made us little short documentaries only like 45 minutes on Netflix. It has a lot of the same behind the scenes stuff, but it has the visual aid to go with it. So this movie made a shit ton of money. That's why they're still making movies within this franchise. So, and you know uh, who else made a lot of fucking money off this? Steven Spielberg. Yeah. He, re he received $250 million from this movie's gross and profit participations. Cause he owned it like the second highest grossing movie of the 20th fucking century. He's killer. He's a beast. That's why he's the goat. <laughs> I just, I just, I just looked this up because I was curious. Cause I saw that earlier about the two hundred fifty million. So I was curious what his net worth is. Holy shit, dude! Three point seven billion. I didn't realize. Ooh, Uncle Steven, let me hold a dollar. Oh. <laughs> shit, that's pocket change. Are you Dustin? All right, anyway. Shit. 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 God, it's a great show. Anyway. <laughs> All right, guys, let's jump into our favorite kill, least favorite kill in the rating. Uh, who wants to kick us off tonight? I'll go ahead and go. I, I don't go first very often. There you go. All right. So, um, first of all, let's get the kills out of the way. Uh, favorite kill was Gennaro because <laughs> I think it was awesome that you got picked up off the shitter by a T-Rex, man. <laughs> what a fucking way to go. I want to die like that. Elvis died on the shitter, but ain't no T-Rex. Um, well, and you know how many times when I was little, I was watching that, and because his shorts like rode up, I thought forever that he was literally in there taking a shit. Like I, it just it looked like he had his pants pulled down forever. <laughs> yeah, um, I I thought the same actually. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that was great, and getting to see his body getting picked up by a T Rex is great because you know uh, leads me to my least favorite kill is actually Muldoon because same. we 
kind of got to see it, but the the shrubbery blocked it. Like we didn't get any gore, any violence. We didn't get to see the dinosaur, the velociraptors actually killing him. And so I wish we'd have got more. Um, but as far as the movie, it's great. I love it. It's got a high rewatchability factor, even though it's long as shit. Um, it's got great cinematography. The animatronics look great. The um, CGI looks great, especially for the time. Like we've done movies that are so much newer than this that the CGI looks like dog shit in comparison. Right. right. Um, Absolutely. Acting was great. The casting was spot on. Although I would have liked to see seen Cameron's casting in his version, but um, <laughs> it's got a, a iconic score. Um, shout out to John Williams. I actually know someone that when they got married, they walked down the aisle to the Jurassic Park theme. And so great score, man. Fuck yeah. Um, yes. But all things considered, man, I mean, this is just one of those movies that it's like when you're talking to someone, let's say, let's say someone's been in a coma for 50 years or someone's cryogenically frozen. They come back to life and like, what have I missed out on? You want to show them Jurassic Park, man. It's an iconic movie, uh, regardless of how you stand or what side of the fence you stand on for the genre. So that being said, I do have to consider the nitpicks that I mentioned, all the factual errors and just the errors that they didn't fix, the the goofs that they didn't fix. Um, so I'd have to deduct some points. I give it a nine, though. Hey, still a very high rating. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, I'll go ahead and go. Um, my favorite kills, Jadero on the toilet, least favorite kill of Muldoon's as well. Um, I'm actually probably in the minority with this, but I actually am a big fan of the entire series, except for one movie. Part five sucks. Um, I, I actually may pick it for next year's 31 on 31. Actually, it's just and this may date the show, but I just watched Dominion and uh, in the franchise recently. And if you're if you're a fan of this one and really know the ins and outs of this one, I think you'll enjoy it. Honestly, it ties to this one with some very deep cuts you may not get on your first watch, but. I think it closes the series out very well. About now, stop making them. Huh. Um, obviously, I talked about this movie having such an influence on my love for movies and dinosaurs, um, which I think, I don't know, is the dinosaur love a generational thing? I don't know. Many, I mean, my kid doesn't give a shit really about dinosaurs. I don't know. Uh, but, <laughs> but it was such an influential movie, period. I mean, it was, hell, it was selected for preservation in the National Film Registry by the Library of Congress in 2018 for being culturally, historically, or and aesthetically significant. Um, I can't give this anything less than a 10 for me. All right, I'll go next. I'll let you go last, Mike. Uh, favorite kill, I'm, I'm just like y'all, Gennaro on the toilet. No, that whole scene's iconic. Least favorite, I chose uh, Joffrey at the beginning. Just, you know, wasn't my favorite kill. I almost picked Ray as well, just because it was off screen. You only saw his his arm. But I go. I went with Joffrey. Uh, rating i really have nothing bad to say except i'm kind of with dustin on the there's a lot of fuck-ups in the movie honestly that you notice once you watch some videos that reveal them like when the lawyer asks if they got the whole fence up then tim's climbing over the fence you see the fence stops like two feet right past it so i mean it's a lot of stuff that just is noticeable on a rewatch but that's really nitpicking um i gave it a nine and a half Okay. It's great. Uh, yeah, my favorite kill is the same as all of you. Uh, that's a tough way to go, man. We are on a toilet. I mean, you may not be taking an actual shit, but that's still a tough way to go. My least favorite is Dennis because I wanted to see his ass get ate up inside that Jeep, man. I wanted to see it. Um, okay. 
all the things I said at the beginning, great cast, great CG work, great camera work. Uh, it's an iconic film with iconic scenes and lines. Um, just It's still nostalgic for me, and I haven't seen it that many times, but every time I watch it, I get the warm, fuzzy, nostalgic feeling for it. But I do think it's just kind of like a magical movie experience in a sense. Like it just has that effect on people. Uh, and I view it the same way. So, you know, great director, great everything, man. And by the way, shout out to the director of photography, Dean Cundy, which is my man from Halloween and all the other uh, John Carpenter movies. But uh, all that being said, I gave this movie a 9.25. Okay. All right. So that gives us a composite rating of a 9.4375. And... IMDb has this movie at an 8.2, so we're clearly the superior voice. What voices. do they know? What the fuck do they know, huh? <laughs> Fuckers. All right, guys. Any final thoughts on Jurassic Park? Mike, great pick. Yep. Glad we got to cover finally. Good stuff. And look, oh, only yeah. an hour and a half. Everyone thought this might be three hours. No. We did it. <laughs> all right. I'm going to shout out our blood donors real quick, then I'll announce my pick for next week. Uh, thank you to all of our blood donors. really appreciate y'all. Camper Level Recurring, Clayton J, Nina, Michelle Mirza, Andrew Ferguson, Carrie Adams, the Horror Movie Crew Podcast, Alex Seligson, Eric Doolittle, and Sean Irwin. Our camp counselor recurring are Hunter Nelson, Dennis Kennedy, Edwin Hernandez-Gunn, Joe Swinford, Jennifer Davis from the Too Close to Home Podcast, Heather Smith, Kylie Denise from Australia, and Adrian Aiello. Our legendary blood donors who have films, film reviews to do are Michael Azelson, and our final guide donors are Christian Cunningham and Matt Sears. Really appreciate y'all so much for your yeah, financial you. contributions. It means a lot. Uh, next week is my pick. Super excited for it. Not really, but just kidding. Uh, <laughs> it's one. I was torn between three movies for my pick. Uh, one was Jurassic Park, just because, like Mike said, needed to be done. I think it's it's iconic. It's great. Uh, Deep Blue Sea and Lake Placid. But I chose Lake Placid just because I remember watching it as like eight, nine, ten years old, something like that. It's got oh, Betty White in it, the goat. Yeah. Um, it's fun. I mean, it fits this theme perfectly. I feel like absolutely. Uh, any final thoughts, guys, before we get out of here? I'm excited to do Lake Placid. I haven't watched it in a very long time, man. It's Same. A good hey, speaking about going, you know, week to week, we went from Jurassic Park to Lake Placid. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, man. Lake Placid is a classic unto itself for different reasons. We Absolutely. spare no expense. That's right. That's right. Oh, just want to thank all our fans. We really appreciate y'all, and y'all have a good one. Shoot her. Just want to remind everybody. Oh.